So here we are, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Our Lord, we want so much more than knowledge. We want to know you. We want to know your ways, know your heart. We want to act like you. We want to know the way you think. And you are our mighty God. Your ways are so above ours, yet you reveal them to us right here. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be our teacher, that we would seek to rightly divide your word, and that, that you would impart to us the, the good truth that we need. Jesus, we pray that your grace would awaken us, that we would not be asleep, that we would not be like those that are dozing off even though we're in the light, but that we would live our lives. Lord, and this is just a part of the, the walk, a part of the journey, a part of the process. And we, we come here, Lord, and we tell you that we want it. We hold on to you, and we know that we're far from complete. But one day we'll see you, Lord, and, and we'll be like you. I pray for, for anybody that might be distracted or pulled aside from what is needful just during this 30 minutes, Lord, that they would um, set their eyes on your word and, and on you, Jesus. Amen. So this is a section that is certainly about walking in wisdom. And wisdom is more than knowledge. Yes, in order for you to be wise and for me to be wise, we need to know certain truths about God and about ourselves. But wisdom is not just knowing. Wisdom is knowing and then applying it's been aptly put at times that wisdom is skillfully living for Christ. Here we have before us a pattern, a description of what it means to walk in wisdom. And it's very practical. It is connected to what we know, but it goes beyond that to how we're going to practically live out these truths to the good pleasure of God, not for our own pleasure. That walk in wisdom, it's not just for old people. We often think of the old sage Yes, there can be wisdom that comes with, with age, but you can be wise beyond your years because of the Lord, because of the Word of God, because of the Spirit of God in you. So you're learning about the walk in wisdom right here, right now. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 says this, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. As we study the walk in wisdom through the word, first of all, I say to you, walk in wisdom, redeeming the time. Did you see that? Each one of you have been given a voucher. Maybe your voucher says 33 years, two months, and seven days. Maybe your voucher says 57 years, five months, and 21 days. Maybe it says 88 years and 11 months, and one day. 
each one of us have been given a voucher. What am I talking about? I'm talking about from God, your years, your months, and your days. I don't like to let a voucher go to waste. I don't want to squander it. If I've got a deadline and I need to spend it by that amount of time, I'm going to lose my points. I'm going to lose my credit or whatever. It's going to expire. I'm in there and I'm going to redeem it, right? I'm going to purchase something. I'm not going to let it go to waste. Do we see our lives the way the Bible says that they are? That we have a certain amount of days, we have a certain amount of time, and it would be certainly unwise to not redeem that time for the glory of God, to not be putting our days and our hours into his plan for us, into his will for our lives. We receive this admonishment, redeem the time, don't squander it. You only have so much of it. I don't know how much is left on my voucher. Do you know how much is left on yours? No. So the word admonishes us, redeem that time. Use it wisely. You don't know how much more you'll have left. Use it for the glory of God. Cash it in. Don't squander it. If we see our lives in that manner, it will definitely affect the way that we live. You just see how our mentality, our way of thinking, affects the way we live our lives out. And if we're thinking, well, I'm just floating, and I've got who knows how much, but there's no purpose. There's no redeeming of the time. Now, this does not mean that you're not a redeemed person if you don't redeem the time, but this is literally about using the days that God has given you in a wise manner, in a circumspect manner. Circumspectly, not a word we use very often. Pos akribos is that word, and it's an adverb describing how we're supposed to walk, describing even in what way we're to walk. And it means to walk carefully, to walk in a way that is where you're paying attention. It's, it does have a certain exactness to it. So the Lord says to us, walk in a manner that is careful. Don't be haphazard in your walk. Pay careful attention to how you live your life. Be diligent. Isn't it true that the reckless life is glorified by godless society? That there's this idea presented to us through those that do not know the Lord, that if you just live recklessly, that there'll be a freedom in that, that there'll be a flow in that, and there'll be even a peace in that. No worries. But actually, that sort of lack of circumspect walk leads to destruction. It becomes bondage instead of promised freedom. So the word is not saying to me and to you that we're supposed to be uptight stress cases, freaked out all the time, you know. No, it's trusting in the Lord, but it's still careful. How are we spending our days? How are we spending our hours? Each one of those hours is a precious gift from God for you to use, not first and foremost on yourself, but for the Lord and towards his people carefully considering our choices. Am I pleasing God this day, this hour? Every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. You realize that, don't you? And we can say yes to a lot of good things. But the question starts to be for us, is this the best thing for me to be putting my time into? Do you ever get hijacked, hijacked by things that are good? when you really should be doing something that is a lot better, and then you're in the middle of that so-called commitment because you've said yes, 
But when you committed, you didn't realize that you were saying no to something else. Our lives get full pretty quickly. And the Lord is saying, pay attention to, to what you say yes to. This isn't most people's downfalls, but even saying yes to every single act of service, ministry, you only have so many days, you only have so much time, right? And the Lord says, be careful. Don't live in a way that's lazy or don't live in a way that's distracted because there's a lot of so-called good things to put your life into. But what are you saying no to? That's even better because you said yes to this. Now, this might not be meaningful to those that aren't busy doing God's will, but if you're desiring to live that way, you're selective about the way you spend your time. Colossians chapter 4 Verse 5 says this, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside redeeming the time. Very similar verse, isn't it? Once again, we have the walk in wisdom there in Colossians, but it says towards those who are on the outside. Do you see the urgency? The Bible is saying to you and me, there are people all around you who aren't saved. There are people that you come in contact with all the time, even in this place, who haven't believed upon Jesus. Why is that an urgent situation? Because we don't know how much time's on their voucher. And we should be walking in a manner that's aware and sharing and giving and reaching out to those who have not received the grace of God. That is of the utmost importance when it comes to us redeeming the time. I look at what Paul warned the Colossians about. Walk in wisdom towards those on the outside. Make the unbelieving a priority. Know if someone has put their faith in Jesus or not. Church, we so often have those who have not believed right here with us. Don't assume everyone that everyone who comes to church has received Christ. That's why it's so important that we know each other. Because what happens when we don't know each other is we start to think, I can't really talk to that person because I'm supposed to know them. And I've been going here for years and so have they. And it'll be kind of embarrassing. But do you realize that could be a person that needs you, that the Lord would use you to reach out and show his love and his kindness. Redeeming the time towards those who are on the outside, to those who haven't received Christ. Look for people you don't know well. Those are God-given opportunities. The church is guilty of this. Are we like the fisherman who's really busy looking at the fish finder and the fish is like right there on the edge of the boat. In fact, you might not even need to hook him. You could just kind of net him right out of the water. Let me check out my fish finder. Have you ever fished with somebody who's like possessed with the fish finder? And you're thinking, can we just fish, right? The church can be like that sometimes. We can be that way sometimes. Always assuming that, well, that, that, that person's taken care of. I've seen them here before. That, that's probably not gonna, that conversation's probably not going to lead to anything eternal or everlasting or let alone the good news of Jesus Christ that could be shared with them so that they could receive. That awareness must be among us. There was a brother, and he wanted to put on the way out the door, you're now entering the mission field. <laughs> and on the day that he told me that, there were unbelievers all around us, and I was outmanned, I, I, outwomaned, where you call, I couldn't get to them in a tactful way fast enough, and he thought the unbelieving were all out there, and they were right here under our nose. It's not always that we're going to deliver the full disclosure gospel right there at that time, but show them 
God's love so that when they hear the good news of his word, they'll, they'll see that we're his disciples by our love for one another. That's the walk in wisdom, redeeming the time. Look at what the word says here in this first verse that we read. Sorry, it's in the second verse, verse 16, because the days are evil. Isn't that true? Evil, evil days, dark days. Paul writes through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the Ephesians, telling them, you live in a very demented society. And that same downward spiral is what our society is experiencing right now. We speak of it quite often and go, man, can you believe how bad, how crooked, how corrupt, how dark, how evil the days are? Yes, they are evil. And why does that matter? Because God will not strive with men forever. And he will judge those who are unrepentant. So this is why we don't have time to waste. Because there are people all around us who don't know the goodness of God. And time is short. Maybe you're young and you feel like you got all the time in the world. Just because you're young doesn't mean you have all the time in the world. As you get older, you realize you don't. You realize, I don't know how many more days I have, and I want to use those for the Lord because the days are not getting better as far as the evil influence, as far as the downward pull. I don't wake up on most, most days and check the state of the world and go, wow, that's some great news. We're headed in the right direction. The days are evil. They're dark. And what a ministry opportunity because you can begin that conversation with almost anybody. It's hard to find somebody who says, yeah, things are going great in our country. Things are going great in the world. We're just so much better off right now than we were five years ago. I'm getting very sarcastic, but we're, this, our country's doing good. The, the, these are some good days. Things are looking up, and they'll look at you like, what? Even if they don't believe in Jesus. So what is the answer to that? Is it more of man's remedies? Is it more legislation? Is it more worry on our parts? Is it isolationism where we all, you know, move to Wyoming and start a compound? Is that the answer? No, it's redeeming the time. Somebody said, yes, I rebuke thee, yeah. It's redeeming the time because how about those on the outside that don't know the Lord? That's the heart of Jesus. That's the reality of the wise walk, redeeming the time. That was number one, walk in wisdom, redeeming the time. And I, I didn't just accidentally pick Wyoming. Number two, walk in wisdom, understanding God's will. Do you see the instruction here that we are to understand God's will so that we can practice it, so that we can live it out? God's will can be pictured as a path for us to walk on. Like this is the right path. This is the path of the will of God. Here is a misunderstanding about God's will, a common misunderstanding. Oh, God's will is, is so lofty. It's so difficult to attain that, that we could never actually do God's will. That's not true in the least. These chapters are full of instruction about God's will. It's very practical, and it can be lived out by the power of the Spirit. God didn't give us these commands so that we could just pontificate. He gave us his will so that we could be his pure bride set aside for his good pleasure. And God's will is not some unattainable, far out there, unreasonable thing. 
God's will is the path that he illuminates to us. And he says, this is, this is the way that's good. Walk in it. God's will does include his commands, and I'll give you a very straightforward cross-reference from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. Listen. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. This is the will of God. Plainly stated, and that is in keeping with the surrounding verses here in Ephesians chapter 5. That's God's will for me and for you, that we wouldn't live in sexual immorality like the rest of the world. That we would, this is the vessel that God gave to me, and that we would keep it for his glory and for his honor. But the will of God is not just about commands, it's also about fellowship with the Lord all along the way. I don't want you to picture the will of God as just a path that's full of commands. Although God's commands are good, we should never come in to perceive how we're living our lives and say, how close can I get to the edge of the path before I'm technically off the path? Have you ever had a kid like that before? Where they're like, they want to know how far can I still be okay but be off? Have you ever been like that before towards God? Where you're, where you're thinking, well, well, this isn't technically is it pleasing to the Lord? Shouldn't that be our question? How can I more closely walk with the Lord? Here's another verse about the will of God. So much about our fellowship with him as we seek his will. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. Look, we know what the will of God is, that you and me, that we're people of prayer that we're rejoicing always. That is God's will for us, is that we wouldn't break that fellowship with him, that we would walk with him. We sang in the garden today, precious song to me. It so often pulls me back into to my close, tender, circumspect walk with the Lord. Like he's right with me. And I'm not always paying attention, but it is a command-keeping walk, but it's a walk of fellowship. I reminded you just this last week on Thursday, don't leave the fellowship behind and just turn the walk into something that's mechanical, where you're checking boxes, right? I'm a box checker. I want to get stuff off my list. It's the fellowship that you and I have with Jesus. He saved us, our tender God, our shepherd, that we would desire to be with him. Thanks, prayer, purity. That's a consistent pathfinder for the will of God. So that was number two, walk in wisdom, understanding God's will. Number three, you saw it right there in the text. It was verse 18, do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Walk in wisdom, not in drunkenness. Drunkenness is not a way to walk in wisdom. In fact, the word tells us that's the fool who is drunk. Drunkenness causes additional sin, does it not? Rather than a circumspect walk of wisdom. A person can't be under the influence of alcohol and under the influence of the Spirit. So the word gives us, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Whose influence are you under? I remember driving by a, a big 
wine truck and it said wine and spirits on there. And the kid says, why does it say spirits on the side? That's kind of scary. Because there's a spiritual side to drunkenness, isn't there? And it's a darkness and it's destructive. Christians, do we have our guard up against that? Or are we living loose and thinking, oh, I can have a little here, here and there. It's not going to matter very much. Be filled with the Spirit. Why would any believer want anything to do with the abuse of alcohol? God has blessed us, and believe me, I've heard all the verses and I've read them. God has blessed us with a lot better stomach medications than wine. Discoveries. God has blessed us with a lot better painkillers than whiskey. Discoveries. Hasn't he? So, yes, we have our freedom in Christ, but the question is, is are we making provision for the flesh in regards to its lusts pertaining to alcohol? It is heartbreaking to watch so many people who maybe had alcohol in their life in a so-called controlled way, and then to watch them just fall into the destruction of drunkenness. It quite often is a provision for evil that we do not need in our lives. I personally don't see any benefit from it. I'm not cuter if I drink, right? <laughs> Even if the commercials say that I am, I'm, it's not going to be good for me in that manner. It's not going to give me better judgment. That's for sure. What good is it going to do me? Walk circumspect, not in drunkenness. I consider also, when we speak of freedom in Christ, it can be a huge stumbling block. Not only to ourselves, but to those around us. We don't always know what people are dealing with. And I remember what the word of God says, let he who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. When I have sinned egregiously, the vast majority of the time as I reflect, I was thinking to myself, I've got this. And then I didn't. And the word has warned me and you. Don't think that you're standing. Because unless you're standing in me and unless you have that protection up and drunkenness, think of how destructive it is in our society. Think of all the evils that are associated with the abuse of alcohol. Let me read to you what the Proverbs say. Proverbs 23, 29. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions, who has complaints, who has wounds without cause, who has redness of eyes, those who linger long at the wine, those who go in search of mixed wine. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At the last, it bites like a serpent. It stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea, or like one who lies at the top of the mast, saying, they have struck me, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake that I may seek another drink? That's God's word warning us of the ills of drunkenness. The sober life is the wise walk. Let's read again. Verse 19 and 20. 
speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Fourth point, again, it begins with walk in wisdom, but it is expressing thankfulness. The, the wise walk is a walk that expresses thankfulness to the Lord. Now, I have heard many say, because many people think, well, I am thankful, but I really don't need to express it. Is that what the Bible says? No. It says that actually you and I should be singing songs to the Lord because we're thankful to him. That it's not enough, enough for us to just say, I've got a thankful heart, but that that thankfulness should be expressed to the Lord through song. Maybe you're in this place today and you're wondering, why are they so thankful? Why are they singing all these songs about gratefulness to God? And right now it's not connecting with you. Why do they spend this time worshiping and singing these songs? It doesn't seem like a concert to me. You're right, it's not. It's singing with thankfulness in our hearts to God. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Because Jesus has washed away our sins and given us eternal life. And he will do the same for you if you will believe in him as Lord. And then you won't be on the outside. You'll be on the inside. And you say, well, I'm already on the inside of the building. It's not about being on the inside of the building. When the word says the inside, as we read in Colossians, it's saying, are you with God? Are you with the Lord? The only way we can be with God is if Jesus, the Son of God, is our mediator. He took our sin upon him at the cross so that we could stand in the presence of God, free and forgiven. He died on the cross. He rose from the grave. And now, believing upon him is how you can be brought from darkness into light. Your whole destiny changed. And so, this is the thankfulness that is spoken of here in these verses, that you and I, now that we're saved, would have a thankful walk. Yes, I do realize that those who are not Christians can say, well, I'm thankful for this, I'm thankful for that. It's kind of the positive attitude mentality. But as Christians, we really know what to be thankful for, don't we? If we don't have our health, if it's not a sunny day, if we're separated from the ones that we love, if we're in the middle of emotional and relational turmoil, we have the rock-solid foundation of Jesus. And we know who we've believed in. And we're persuaded that he is able. He is able, isn't he? Today is the day to believe. Not some other day, not a longer consideration, but to believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then entering into this expressing of thankfulness, a walk in wisdom. We do need to show it. Maybe you are a great singer. Maybe you're not so great a singer. Maybe you enjoy singing. Maybe you don't enjoy singing very much. But I see the word saying to us here that these songs are a part of the wise walk, that he puts that song in us and through us, and that we're even supposed to speak to one another in those psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Here's a short explanation of psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Paul uses the same phrase in Colossians 3.16. 
Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. There are different interpretations on this, but I interpret this to mean that there are different types of songs that we are to sing to the Lord and even to each other. And it's not about the musical style of the song, first and foremost, but it's about the content of the song. Let's look at the first one. In the sh- it's Psalms. Don't we have a whole book of Psalms? In Hebrew, Psalms means songs. It's a song book. So we are to literally sing the Psalms. So we sing Psalm 4, and we sing Psalm 5, and we sing Psalm 73, and Psalm 100, and Psalm 121, because the word commands us to do just that, doesn't it? I really like the Psalms that are word for word. I've been singing it for a long time. You open up your Bible, and you probably knew it was a Psalm, but you didn't know the reference. There it is. The Lord put a song in my heart and on my lips when I gather with his people. We're to sing those Psalms. Quite often, the worship leaders get people say, well, you know what kind of song I really like, I really like? And some people say, oh, I just love the Psalms. That's good. But we can't just sing all Psalms because there's a different content here that's mentioned also, and that's Psalms and hymns. And when it says hymns, it, it doesn't mean those songs that are in the hymnal because most of those songs weren't written for 17 or 1800 years later, right? So what does the word mean when it says hymns? Well, these are songs that explain doctrinal truth. These are songs that explain theology because we learn through what we sing, or at least we're supposed to. We learn one way or the other, don't we? So there are songs that literally explain to us, put into words, truths about God and of his word, and those are hymns. Now, I must say this, that a lot of songs that are in a hymnal, that are in that style of music, a lot of them are hymns because of their content. But we are to literally sing songs that explain and describe the scriptures to us and help us come to a better understanding of those. So we have the Psalms, then we have songs that teach us doctrinal and theological truths. Next, spiritual songs. Spiritual in that context, what is it? Spiritual in that context is of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Right? So we have the songs that are given to us by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And these are songs of testimony. This is what God has done in me. This is what God has done in my life. Those songs are very needed in the body. Look at what Jesus has done in me and through me, us even singing to one another. I thought about the song that we often sing, Jesus Loves Me, and it begins and says, I was lost. I was in chains. The world had a hold of me. My heart was a stone. I was covered in shame. And then he came for me. A spiritual song inspired by the Holy Spirit for us to share the testimony. That's my testimony. Lord, I was lost. I was in chains. The world had a hold of me. My heart was just rock hard. And then you came for me. And when we sing that, we're, we're testifying to each other. 
And then it switches and says, I couldn't run. I couldn't run from your presence. You go from singing to each other to singing to the Lord about the pursuit of his love. So being mindful, as we get this instruction for psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, they overlap at times. And the word doesn't include this so that we can be really rigid, like one-third psalms, one-third hymns, one-third spiritual songs, and create some sort of liturgy. That's not the point. But it's given to us so that we don't neglect this full content of worshiping in the walk of wisdom. The wise walk is full of thanksgiving. The wise woman has a song on her lips. The wise man lifts up his voice to God. What you listen to, what music you listen to, matters a lot. It'll get stuck in your mind, stuck in your head. You'll know it. Don't listen to music first and foremost to take your mind off of something. Listen to music and worship the Lord with your lips, with your life, because of where it puts your mind and your heart with the Lord, that him for, in, in God. That which is not glorifying to God is like poison to your mind. And I am a music lover. I latch on to music wherever it is, and it's either for the good or for the not so good. Like, what am I letting wash over my mind? Is it psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? Is that what I'm filling my mind with? That is the wise walk. So we have that fourth point of expressing thankfulness. The last verse that we read is 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Point five is walk in wisdom, submitting to one another. So the Bible is saying that the person who walks in wisdom is willing to submit to those around them. And it's not, look at verse 21, it's not in the fear of people, it's in the fear of God that we submit to one another. This verse is not saying that we need to do everything that everybody says to do. Wouldn't that be a whole lot of bosses? If we were to say, oh, I want to do what you tell me to do, and then I want to do what you tell me to do, and, and you, and then I made her mad because she didn't like. Is the Bible saying that we just run around being people pleasers and trying to submit to everything that everybody says. No, it's not saying that to us. But it says, in the fear of God. Isn't that what it means? It'd be impossible to, to please everyone. But if any advice is given in the fear of God, it is worth us putting ourselves under that advice and listening to it. Correct? The church is meant to be a place where all of us are reminding each other of God's will, of God's mercy and even of God's judgment. When we receive any counsel that is solid, we should submit to it. I should submit to my kids when they say something that is delivered in the fear of God. I should submit to my wife when she says something that's delivered in the fear of God. This is right, this is true according to his word. And in that situation, isn't it true that the people around you are the instruments of instruction. But the instruction itself comes from God because he, Jesus is the head of the body. So the Bible is saying here that we're going to hear wise counsel from many people within the body, and it's our job, because it's from God, to submit to that wise counsel. Isn't it true that sometimes your eyes give you a warning of danger? And then sometimes 
Your nose gives you a warning of danger. And then sometimes your ears. You function as a body and you receive those warnings no matter which member or body part they come through. They're all there so that you and I can walk in a way that's more careful. I think of rattlesnakes. And a lot of people don't know what a rattlesnake rattling sounds like. They think it's like a slow rattle like the movies. But if you live in the foothills, you probably know what it sounds like. If you don't know that sound, then your ears can't be the warning for you. I remember when our family from the Bay Area was up here and there was a rattlesnake and he was just buzzing away and it was under a vehicle and they thought that was the air coming out of the tire, right? And they're like sticking their head down there. I was like, no, <laughs> similar sound, right? Shh, that like that. But your ears are being used to warn you before your eyes even know. It's that way with the body of Christ. The warnings to walk in wisdom are going to come from different sources. The question is, is that given in the fear of God? Is it true? Because God is righteous, and he is going to judge those who reject Jesus. He's going to reject those who insist upon sin and turn away his forgiveness. That's the fear of God should be alive in us, saying, let's think about how we're living. Let's think about who we're believing in. So that that admonishment doesn't just come from a person or two in the body of Christ, but it comes from us submitting to one another. Some are willing to submit to a pastor or an elder because of their position, but really it goes much deeper than that. Because the submission is to God Almighty, although we may hear that reminder from a mere human. And if any person leads you in a way that is not according to the fear of God, it doesn't matter what their position is. It should be rejected. So this submission is something that is totally difficult for us because we don't like to listen to other people. But the word of God says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that's what he'll reap. Like you can't fool God. You're not going to get away with something. And if that word is spoken or shown to you towards somebody, don't be so focused on the person. Isn't that what we do sometimes? Well, I can't receive that from them because they're a disaster. Or I don't like them. Or what? I don't see the Bible. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. If, it, if what they said is true, if it's a real warning, if it's a real admonition, then say, God, thank you for giving that to me. That's the wise walk. That's the careful walk in the Lord, in his wisdom, and by his Spirit. This walk with God, he's given us so many safeguards, so many provisions, so many things that are to guide us and to lead us. And for me, as I study his word, I'm thinking, Lord, I'm not using so much of what you've, you've given me. I want to be personally ready. I want the church to be ready for that so that we're living our lives out in a way that's careful for his kingdom. God, right now we lift our thanksgiving to you because that is the wise thing to do. That's the wise walk. We, we lift our voices to you because it is your command and it keeps us from evil. We rejoice in our salvation. We delight in you 
Thank you for providing to us the music and the word and, and the psalms, Lord. Thank you for knowing just what we needed to keep our focus. I pray for, for us, Lord, that we would take this opportunity to be with you right now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.